Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast. And it is absolutely amazing they have characters they have actors they have different people doing voiceovers it is so ridiculously dope y'all gotta check this out um i'm, I'm like i'm enthralled I'm, i i can't stop listening to it this shit is crazy and i gotta tell you all the actors are they're straight they're queer they're black they're of color they're male they're female they're they thems they thems they just this thing is so diverse, man, and, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. This is your friend Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you from my humble abode of books. During this pandemic paradise where quarantine still ain't cute. I can't tell you. you, Y'all know I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I can't tell you how many people from Texas have been coming to New Mexico to get away from motherfucking Texas. (laughs) Good morning. It's a Monday morning. Um... For those of you who may listen much later. And they come in and they don't quarantine, of course, but they're coming out of a state that is 100% open. And I I can't tell you how just, it just floors me, you know. it Their state is 100% open, yet they come to New Mexico that the restaurants are barely 50% open. And I I don't know what the fascination is right now. I'm still trying to understand that. Like, why would you come to a state with all the restrictions when everything's 100% open where you're from? Um, And it's basically just to get away. You know, I I could imagine the stress of over 100 people freezing to death just a month ago and then to throw caution to the wind and open up a state 100% when they still have to get their infrastructure straight. You know what I mean? But I digress. So this is the final part 
of the series on misogyny. And what better way to close this out than to talk about Lil Nas X? Not so much Lil Nas X as the video, not so much the video as the public reaction to the video. And when we talk about systems and structures, say racism, you know, we're not talking about, you know, some woman calling a black man behind, some white woman calling a black man behind the counter an N-word because he won't serve her because she doesn't have a mask on. I've seen that video. That's nothing. It's something, but it's nothing. You know, that kind of caucasity happens every day in the United States of America. So that's, that's a minimum of concern for me. You know, that if that was the worst racism was in the United States, man, please, we, we'd all be celebrating. It'd be Juneteenth every day of the year. You hear me? Um, what we're trying to, um, what we're trying to combat is the system, right? How whiteness is the elite selection, um, how whiteness is the default of how we decide to do things. Now, when we say whiteness, what comes to my mind, right, is say the late 1700s, early 1800s. That is where I see white culture bloom, right? It is this European settler that establishes themselves and the rules of society by placing themselves in the center. So what are we talking about? We are talking about men ruling the home. We are talking about uh, quoting biblical scripture in order to rationalize and justify um, out- outrageous behavior, i.e. slavery, uh, oppression of women, um, greed. You know, there's this... I'll never forget sitting in my first sociology class. And we were talking about the industrial era of Europe and what began to happen to families, right? Now, of course, there was still biblical scripture. And uh, in some cases, there was slavery. And once it was outlawed in Europe because it was considered an abomination for one Christian to enslave another, hence why Africans became the commodity. But when families before this, right, families worked together. Families, white European families worked together in fields, on farms, selling their, their produce, selling their, their garments, their textiles, whatever, what have you. And then things became industrialized. You know, someone said, you know, if we build a place for people to do this and I can get them to do it for me, I'll give them money every week while they're producing, right? So they could feed their families. And then at the end, I keep the garment and sell it, let's say, or I keep the produce and sell it at my price. I give them a little and I keep a bunch of it. All I got to do is create this thing. All right. So a lot of businesses opened, a lot of different opportunities came of it, right? So the family that used to eat together and pray together are now working various shifts, 
are now working out of the home, are seeing each other less. And what was at one time so holy, so sanctimonious was this, this family bond began to split. And in splitting up the family, different people were able to be worked on to reshape their perspective and their ideologies of life itself. So all of that is to say that the love and support that came from a family constantly being together was now severed, right? And in severing, it destroyed a certain foundation that, that people were raised on. And business became the new ideology, particularly for men. And there was this term called the Protestant theory. And this is how industry held on to God. This theory, and I'm going to paraphrase it and keep it real short because I could spend a whole hour just talking about this by itself. But the theory basically was this. Let's say a guy opened up this, you know, textile business and he opened up a little building and he had people working in there and he had them in literal slave conditions. Um, no time to eat, 12 hour days, you know, um, no breaks, go, 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 work, 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 produce, produce, produce. And when all the money began to come in, I'm sure at some point families were like, yo, I'm working 12 fucking hours a day. I've created all this shit. How you get to keep all this money? And they said, I'm blessed by God. That's why I have all of this. I have it because God allows it to be so. Hence, a justification and rationalization for greed. Plain and simple. You know, there's no gray area to it. I justified my exploitation of you and your family because God sees me fit to make these decisions. And this is an idea that even though, mind you, while the industrial era is, is expanding and spreading, studies were done that the suicide rates began to double, triple, and quadruple. Because the very foundation that people were raised on for their needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, was gone. They were separated from the love and support that they had always been accustomed to for generations. And now there is this new loneliness that families who work together did not experience. Because instead of being a human being, they became human doings. At someone else, at another human being's bidding. And that was justified with God. So for people who had never, who had nothing to compare it to, they said, well, this must be where God wants me to be. Wow. And this is such a horrible existence. God must hate me. Now, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm being very general, right? Um, and there's a lot more to discuss, but like I said, 
I could spend hours on this. But this is a mentality that was eventually brought to the United States. This, this Protestant theory. And it, it grew into, that's why I have slaves. That's why you are a slave. This is your position in life. This is how God sees fit because I've been blessed. I am destined. And then you get into manifest destiny. And, you know, the, the big angelic white woman just floating across the United States. You've seen the picture. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google manifest destiny and they will show you a photo. And this... This, this painting was the epitome of caucasity. I have been given your land by God. I've been given these African people to work for free for me by God. And they, they've, they've farmed and they've excavated all of these acres for me because God sees fit for me to rule. And so people who were non-white, people who were being exploited, began to say, hmm, well, if I get your God, maybe God will see fit for me to get some shit. And there were a lot of people who they call it converted to Christianity, large groups of people, large swaths of people. But the truth is, they were manipulated. And in this pecking order, right, say how white, wealthy white people would tell poor white people, well, at least you're better than X, Y, and Z, be it uh, the natives who were qualified as savages, be it the African who was, you know, the curse of Ham. You, you'll have to look that up as well. They were cursed by God, so this is their plight. Um, but at least you're better than them. And over the years, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Well, we get to a place in the 1940s where, you know, the German Bible had been... Um, rewritten and edited and a, a word was changed, right? And this word, which in Aramaic meant um, pedophile, was changed to homosexual. And the U.S. had, you know, basically, and I'm, I'm giving you the shortest version I can, the U.S., let's just say, for sake of argument, ran out of Bibles and they were like, shit, we got to get more Bibles. And they got a bunch of Bibles. They got an interpretation from the German Bible and they were like, word. So by 1946, all of a sudden, what once had said pedophile said homosexual. And I mean, who's going to argue in 1946 with the Bible? So now Christianity all of a sudden said, gays are going to hell. And yes, all it is, all it is brings us back to Lil Nas X. So 1946, black people in most of the country still can't vote, are being arrested for things like loitering, unable to have a job, being thrown off their properties, um, you know, just being run out of towns, having nowhere to go. 
sitting on a stoop somewhere outside of a corner store are now being arrested for loitering because they're not working, they're not producing, they're just being set up all across the South. And when I tell you they're being arrested, it ain't like today, like, you know, they get arrested, they get bailed out, and they go see a judge in a couple of weeks. No, these people are given prison sentences. So, through all this exploitation and this new revamp of the Bible, homosexuality is the next marginalized group. Now, they had always been marginalized, but now the Bible says so. So, black people, in order to assimilate, because that's what it's always been about, right? Um, any indigenous people who, you know, we've talked about in history, indigenous people who owned uh, African slaves, um, even black people who owned African slaves. We talked about it um and I'm talking about in school when I say we talked about it. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, people in, in Haiti and, and Brazil and places where in order to assimilate, they started to accumulate because they wanted to be closer to this God. You know, even at one point to Saint Louverture, who was a big inspiration in the Haitian Revolution and getting rid of slavery. Toussaint Louverture was known to have slaves at one time to have had slaves at one time. But all of this is to say it's been about assimilation. So black people throughout these centuries have taken in this Christianity that, mind you, when you read the beginning of the Bible, make no mistake, it began in Africa. But by the time it gets to Europe, it is remixed, revamped, repackaged, and resold into something that is now exploiting the people whose culture originally made the Bible. I mean, it's, it's amazing how that happened. It's just amazing. Um, but I digress. So black people are now assimilating into this Christian, you know, American patriotic lifestyle. And they're playing by all the rules, even though they're, you know, they lose Black Wall Street, even though there are riots and North Carolina, there are mobs in Georgia, there are lynchings all over the place, but they hold true because this is the one staple of American culture, of whiteness, that has just been beaten into the heads of black Americans. And with this new vamp of the Bible, in an attempt to assimilate all that harder into white culture. The suburbs started expanding. Black people started wanting homes just like, you know, these other nice neighborhoods. They want the same thing. They want the nice neighborhoods. And even though they're being pushed out, you know, they're striving to be more Christian than anyone else in society. And when I tell you more Christian, child, I tell you through my personal experiences, you ain't going to find more faith anywhere on this green earth than you will find in black America. Child, when black people go to church, we go to church. You hear me? We church. Church is a verb. And homosexuality is an abomination according to this remixed, rewritten, edited Bible. 
that started coming around in 1946, shortly after World War II. Now, we get to today. And we take this Protestant theory. And we take this European settler ideology. And we take this capitalism. And now we add Lil Nas X, who, by all stretches of the imagination, this is what we cannot deny, is now making a lot of money, is far from an ideal of Christianity that most of us have been force-fed for generations, who appears to be quite happy and satisfied with his place in, the, in life. And this right here goes against everything that the United States has been built on besides indigenous graves. By all stretches of the imagination and through all definitions, Lil Nas X is the epitome of the Protestant theory. He has built an empire in music where he can put out one song and everyone knows his name across the globe. Make no mistake, everybody is talking about this new song of his. So, he is not playing by the rules we've been taught. He is not attempting to assimilate, and he's being blessed with riches, which means God loves him. And he's black, and he's gay. The man slides down a metaphoric stripper pole and gives Satan himself a lap dance in this video. And I will tell you what the real reaction is. It's not about gays going to hell. That's not the reaction. I will tell you what the real reaction is. I have a coworker. And this young coworker, mind you, he is in his 20s. He is intelligent. He is drop-dead gorgeous. And he has successfully assimilated into society in all his gayness. He keeps it to a low roar at work. I can, I've, I've noticed that. And I said to him, yo, you see the new Lil, Lil Nas X video? You've heard the song? He's like, yes, I have. I said, what do you think? And he said, honestly, now I knew, child, by the tone of his voice, you know what honestly means? It means, you know, it's, it's usually something people say, I'm, I mean, I'm not racist, but... So the ellipsis came. Honestly, ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. I said, oh, shit, here we go. John, you're at work. Brace yourself, John. Because you know you ain't going to like what comes out of his mouth. This boy said, I just feel like he set us back. I said, us? Who us? Uh, gay people. He just set us back. Like, we are trying really hard to just live our lives. And he just brought a bunch of negative attention to the communities that we just don't need. Bitch. No, he didn't. So, 
Now you see where I'm getting at. My coworker says, basically, I mean, we've played nice. We've put up with, you know, being marginalized. We, we, we waited our time. We stood in line. We took our turn. We've tried to show Christian straight white America that we're not dangerous. And then here comes this motherfucker with this problematic ass fuck video where he's giving Satan a lap dance. Like, did you really have to piss off straight white Christian America that much? That now can't none of us really afford to be publicly gay even a little bit because now we have to face this fucking ridicule. Like, dude, what is you doing? Just do what Massa told you and we'd be fine right now. But no, you got to make problems. You got to get uppity. And now you got to put out this video thumbing your fucking nose at these goddamn people who you know got all the power. And now we might have to go back. Because he said his exact words were, I mean, I feel like he just set us back to the 50s. Like we, It's like we got to start all over again. Now, mind you, he's standing right next to me at work making his money. And I'm standing right next to him at my job with eyeshadow on and eyeliner and glitter. And I'm looking at him like, what is you fucking talking about? We out. We are out. I am a bisexual, gender fluid man at my job with a beard and glitter on my face, dude. Where, where's the setback? I don't see any setback. Some people are mad. So... In my head, this is what I, I consider, even though he's a young white man um, and he has tons of privilege in so many areas, right? And it's usually the people with the most privilege that don't want their privilege coming into question. Whereas somebody like Lil Nas X and his thigh high boots and very dark skin, he ain't going to get none of them privileges, right? But this white dude's like, yo, I finally got me a little. Don't fuck it up for me. I don't want to be associated with your ass. This is a very, very house Negro mentality. And I'm so glad that I was preempted with myself by saying, John, you're at work. You're at work. Whatever comes out his mouth, promise yourself you will not get yourself fired today. So I promised myself. And so when he said what he said, I went, hmm. And I felt like he turned into Samuel L. Jackson in, in, in Django. Like, you going to let this Negro up in the big house? You going to let him sleep in the big house? If your white daddy was alive today. Th that's exactly how I felt. Like, you going to let Nas X make all this money? Thumbing his nose at all these straight people? We don't need this drama. Oh my God, all the work we've done. And I'm like, all the work we've done. We've done. Bro, you just got here. You ain't but five minutes old. What work have we done? You waiting tables in the same restaurant I am. Where's the work? You talking about the work Marsha P. Johnson did? You know, being a trans woman in public every day in New York City when gay bashing was at an all-time high? That work? Is that the work you're talking about? You're talking about Stonewall that you weren't even alive for? Like, what, what work? When you say work, I'm, I'm lost. Can you elaborate? And here's what is happening. Because Protestant theory really only applied for the longest time to straight 
wealthy, white, Christian men. Now, granted, their Christianity went out the window once they started to industrialize Europe because you can't be in the image of God while exploiting your fellow man, right? So here we are at this place where Lil Nas X says, fuck you, white America. I do what the fuck I want to do. Take your new rewritten, re-edited, repackaged, revamped, remixed Bible and shove that shit where the sun don't shine. I'ma do me. God must be blessing me because I'm here, I'm queer, I'm out, and I'm successful and black as fuck. What you gonna do about it? And there are a lot of people with a little taste of power with a little taste of position, who have adhered to these strict, prejudiced, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic rituals of the new Christianity. And they are pissed the fuck off after spending generations assimilating into what is expected of them. Here comes Lil Nas X making problems. Now, some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say, and that's okay. But I remember throughout history, there was always somebody making problems. Now, let's see. You got Marsha P. Johnson, who at the time, a lot of gay people didn't even like her because it was like, look, you out here making problems for us. Those of us who can you know, disidentify with our own gayness to get through a day. Those of us who are white, who do present as, you know, I'm talking about gay men in particular. Those of us who are white, who do present as masculine, even for a little while to get through our work day. Marsha P. Johnson's making shit difficult and bringing homosexuality into the light where we're trying to keep that shit in the club at night. I remember, you know, people talk about Dr. King and he's made so much changes, big statue in Washington, D.C., the man, woo, he's done so much. But at the time of his existence, more than 50% of America did not approve of him. He was making problems. He was causing an uproar where it just wasn't necessary. Hell, even Robert Kennedy himself was like, look, y'all push too hard. You're going to have to dial it back. You know, we're doing our best, but, you know, we're trying to, in the, at the end of the day, we want to be liked. At the end of the day, we want to be approved of. At the end of the day, we want to assimilate. Even the president himself was trying to stay assimilated into white culture and society. So I can't just push change on the majority of America. And Martin Luther King said... I don't give a fuck. That shit ain't my problem. My problem is black folk in the South need to vote. We need to vote today. And if you ain't going to make that shit happen, well, we're going to keep pushing. And in that same idea, Lil Nas X is like, yo, we've been here. We've been doing the work. Motherfuckers ain't giving us a shot. Now, Britney Spears could come out 
make a song in a Catholic schoolgirl outfit that is symbolic of high school. And talking about, oh, baby, baby. And sexualizing a young girl, right? The producers, I'm sure, came up with the idea. And this pedophilic image of sex and underaged girls. Now, mind you, the Bible originally said that pedophilia was the abomination. So she has assimilated, she has, you know, created this monster of, of sexual energy, and she is applauded for it. Now, Madonna caught a lot of hell when she brought Christianity in. Madonna, I don't know which part caused more hell. The fact that the song was like a prayer, we all knew it was about some sex. But I'm sure the biggest problem was that Jesus was black in her video and comes off the cross. And the suggestion that her and Jesus start making the nasties caused an uproar. Prince and his thigh-high boots and eyeliner caused an uproar. And then we look back through history, and these are moguls. These are, you know, they shine because capitalism says, well, they made a lot of money, so they did a lot of things right. I do believe that 20 years from now, Nas X, Lil Nas X, is going to be a hero in the music industry for having zero fucks. And doing what he wanted to do. And 20 years from now, we'll talk about the controversy and the uproar. But he stuck to his guns. And because of that, he made a lot of money. Because capitalism, at the end of the day, says, did you make money doing it? Well, fuck it, man. You must be doing something right. Because Protestant theory says, as long as you're making money, you're blessed. You are blessed. You've done something wonderful. God saw it as wonderful. And God gave you money for it. But here's... The truth. Lil Nas X is blessed with being a shining example of being out, of having little to no shame for being queer, for understanding that his blessings, his Protestant theory comes not from the church, comes not even possibly from believing in God but from believing in himself and the God within him to say, if this is how I am born, then I have a divine right to joy in my body, in my sexuality, and in my existence, and I will not shrink just so you can keep the status quo, believe in the God they told you to believe in, and believe in God in a way in which is acceptable to them. My God lives inside of me and I don't need your fucking permission to be joyful. And since you're so scared and since you have degraded me, marginalized me, my own people have pushed me out of the community because I am gay and I am okay with it. You say I'm going to hell. Well, you know what? How's this? And he gives Satan a lap dance in this video. And now people are mad that not only 
was he marginalized? But he was like, fine, marginalize me then. The same thing that every marginalized group have done throughout history. Black people were pushed out of white society. What did they do? They built Black Wall Street. They became so fucking successful that the white people who had controlled all the manners in which money was made now had no control over the joy that black people were feeling in their own marginalized communities, so they tried to take that away. And now Nas X has been pushed out of a large portion of the black community. And he's like, fine, I will create my own. And so he did. All of these structures are a part of toxic masculinity because, again, there was narcissism. Well, I've taken all of this from you and God has allowed me to take all of this from you because I am blessed. And, he, and the white man said this to his wife and his children. And white people said this to the indigenous and to Africans. And then... A lot of these marginalized groups said that within their groups. Well, I'm a man, so I have a divine right to control things. Well, I'm straight, so I know I am the center of the narrative, and this is how things should be. And you're not allowed to have a different opinion. You're not allowed to live a different way of life. Yeah, we said freedom, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but we didn't mean that shit. We meant life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for me, and you are supposed to do whatever you can do to make sure I get my shit. No, not anymore. Toxic masculinity, stoicism, ambition. It's not toxic because ambition can be a form of toxic masculinity, not because you aspire to be greater. It's toxic because we aspire to be greater or die. And in being greater, we are supposed to navigate a specific set of rules that we have created to define masculinity. And it is everything in opposition of femininity. Everything in opposition of femininity is what toxic masculinity is. Tenderness. Consideration. Sacrifice to share. Sharing power are considered musts. And... What's happening now is that men like Lil Nas X has expressed femininity, has expressed vulnerability, has broken all the rules of what masculinity is expected to be. And he is prospering. And a lot of people just can't compute what's happening now. 
And they'll say things like, oh my God, America, what is happening to our country? Well, it's changing. Especially after January 6th. We have seen how power corrupts. We have seen how the epitome of toxic masculinity, white men who have had privilege, who have had success, who have had all the power, they have now turned on each other. People with Blue Lives Matter flags beating police, crushing their ribs, police officers committing suicide because they too have reached the pinnacle of masculinity, have played by all the rules and are being attacked. The Protestant theory isn't working anymore. We can no longer justify exploitation. We can no longer justify human trafficking. We can no longer justify keeping all the money and watching others starve. And Lil Nas X has basically disrobed the farce once and for all. And Lil Nas X, if you ever hear this man, I'm so fucking proud of you. I am so, so proud of you. You have defied potential homelessness that many queer, especially kids of color, have undergone and tried to navigate and suffered through. You have overcome thoughts of suicide that I know so many young queer kids have contemplated. You have struggled with the corporate world trying to tone down your queerness, trying to tone down your blackness. And you have come out and represented a demographic of people that are tired of saving their, their queerness and their, you know, gender bending for the late night clubs, you know, and the darkness is in their bedroom. And you are more man than I have ever known. Have a good day, y'all.